Peace in the Chaos by Brie Humphreys. The mudroom was non-negotiable. I scoured hundreds, if not thousands, of floor plans on the internet before we built our home, a short list of priorities serving to weed out non-contenders. The absence of a mudroom was a surefire way to land a plan on the chopping block. The house we brought our boys home to when they were born was in a neighborhood, a quarter acre lot with a little backyard, but our outdoor space, however small, was sacred. As soon as they could walk or crawl in the case of my youngest, who followed Big Bro around from the get-go, afternoons were spent toddling around the yard and the dirtiest spots drew them in like magnets. Leaf piles became construction sites, rivulets of rainwater just right for mixing up creative concoctions, and the sand pit beneath the swing set was a number of different things, perhaps a cave one day and a cafe the next. The heights of their imaginative play could be measured in the amount of dirt they tracked back through the house at the end of the day. You're such a good mom, people would say with sympathetic laughs whenever I shared photos of my kids covered in grime and grinning with wild abandon. They assumed that the mess was a point of contention I allowed only because it made my kids happy, but they were giving me too much credit. My motivation for offering them such messy freedom was much more self-serving than sacrificial. I simply learned early on in my life as a boy mom that this wasn't a battle I wanted to fight. It required too much energy. Still, when it came time to move, the mudroom was non-negotiable. When we broke ground on our new house, the construction site became the boys' personal paradise. Mounds of dirt became mountains atop which they were both kings. Embankments became roller coasters they could ride over and over. The mudroom, naturally, was the first room that got any use as our house took shape. Here, we would shed our shoes before traipsing through the bare bones of each room. When the sink in the adjoining laundry room was installed, I used it daily to remove the dirt that continued to cover everything my kids wore. We bought all their clothes secondhand at consignment sales that year, all except a good quality pair of kid-sized mud boots. In many ways, I felt out of sync in that season, quite literally unsettled as we commuted daily from our temporary living quarters to the site of our future forever home. But there was a lot of personal growth too. I gave myself plenty of grace and learned to go with the flow. For instance, we didn't put up a Christmas tree that year. There was too much laundry piled in all the corners of our little living area to make space for it. But we did sink a few of our friends' discarded trees into our new pond to create fish habitats. We also started growing our own food in a little garden on our property, but we ate most of our dinners from takeout bags on the unfinished back porch. We were rarely in a place with a working kitchen at mealtime. And it was all okay, good even. Little by little, I loosened my grip on my perception of perfection and lived in the presence instead. We were all happier, more at peace when I embraced the chaos. We've been in our home for a year and a half and my husband and I are working on a project outside, refinishing a swing we've rescued from disuse to place beside our pond. The kids, however, are restless. They've been hopping half-heartedly from one activity to the next, abandoning bikes in the driveway and losing interest in their fishing poles after five minutes without a bite. My seven-year-old steps a little too close to the pond and his boots make sucking sounds as he pulls them out of the mud. I need to go clean off, he whines. These days, the kid who could make mountains out of mud pits can forget how to have fun outdoors, too tempted by the pull of some kind of screen inside. What he really needs is some encouragement. You're a little boy. You're supposed to be muddy, I tell him. 
Yeah, get lost, my husband chimes in. He means it in the best possible way. We've traded that quarter acre lot they used to love for nine full acres, a world of possibility at their fingertips. Sometimes they just need a little nudge. A few minutes later, I hear them debating their course of action. Hayes wants to play in the island in the upper pond, which is really just a circle of land that's been exposed in the current drought. They'll have to cross a moat of mud to reach it. His five-year-old brother hesitates. Mommy said to get muddy, Hayes coaxes. This line of reasoning is good enough for Drake, who decides to follow Big Bro once again. I grimace a little on the inside. I did tell them to get muddy, but this is extreme. They'll have to practically swim in the sludge to reach their destination. And today was cleaning day, all the floors shining and doorknobs degreased. I think how much easier it would be to just send them inside, succumbing to the lure of a screen. But that's not my style, and I fight the uncharistic urge to restrict their play. Just don't go past the mudroom before I clean you off, I call to little backs that are no longer listening, having crossed the threshold from boredom into blissful make-believe. The decision not to interfere buys me an uninterrupted hour of peace to finish my project. They're still playing when I head inside to start dinner. I can see them in their muddy kingdom out the kitchen window as I string beans from the garden. I think how much easier it would be if I just bought canned, but that's not my style either. When they finally come to the house, Hayes is up to his armpits in mud. His body above that point is untouched, a distinct line between the bright red fabric of his shirt sleeves and the slick brown below. I wonder how exactly he accomplished this. He and Drake strip down to their skivvies in the mudroom underneath the sign that says, drop your pants here. I find the sign funny in an ironic sort of way. They were dropping their pants here long before they were ever instructed to do so. Is it all kids who have an aversion to clothing in the house or just my boys? When they disappear upstairs to shower, the mudroom is anything but peaceful in their wake. Piles of wet clothes soak the floor and shoes spill from their cubbies. But they made magic in the mud this afternoon. Memories that will last them a lifetime. We will eat a home-cooked dinner together tonight and this year. Maybe we'll even cut our own Christmas tree. Yes, there is peace in the chaos, indeed. Bree, I so appreciate you sharing this piece with our community, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself so our listeners can know a little bit about your family. Sure. All right. Well, um, I live in North Georgia in a small town called Ballground, right um, kind of on the edge of metro Atlanta and Mm -hmm. right before the North Georgia mountains. So we're not quite suburban and not quite country, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in between. I have two boys um, and we live on what I call a hobby homestead. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a barn with some animals. We've got chickens and goats and pigs. Um, We have a garden. We um, definitely, definitely take advantage of modern conventions conveniences, but we try to our very best to live a little bit differently, um, yeah. do things as sustainably as possible. That's yeah. awesome. I would love to know like one special interesting or quirky thing about your family. 
Well, my husband is a hunter. Mm -hmm. um, it's his name, but also his favorite pastime. Mm -hmm. And we have a freezer full of meat that he um, has provided for us. So I guess that's a little quirky. We don't buy meat very often from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. We live mostly off of uh, what he provides for us. Uh, so that's a little bit quirky. Yeah, I grew up that way. My dad was a hunter as well. And uh, we don't do that now that we live in <laughs> Seattle metro area. <laughs> my husband doesn't hunt yeah, as much a at, harder. as he did when he was a kid. But um, that's awesome. Um, I would love to know what is one thing that you either do, specifically don't do, or use to make your life just a little bit easier as a mom? Well, let's see. I do, um, since I do make most of our meals uh, from scratch, and in the summertime we do um, grow a lot of that food ourselves, I would say what I don't do um, is... I don't do a lot of cleaning. Uh -huh. <laughs> I let a lot of that go. Yeah. Um, we don't do a lot of activities um, outside of the home. We limit those um, pretty strictly so that we can focus on um, what we have going here in the home. Uh, we, we do volunteer in certain capacities, like with our church or local organizations. But for the most part, I don't do a lot of volunteering in the local schools. Yeah. Um, we put a lot of emphasis on our family and the things that we provide here at home. That's wonderful. And I think that there are a lot of moms who can resonate with that. I know for us, we don't do very many sports for our kids, even though they would probably have yeah. fun doing it, but trying to get kids to all different practices and all different, like a couple of them have done some sports things here and there, but um, that's one thing that we limit a lot as well, <laughs> just for sanity yeah. and being able to stick to our family priorities. Um, I would love to know what is one topic that you could talk about forever? Oh, goodness. Um, I could talk a lot about food, I think, about um, organic foods and local foods and um, how, you know, we view foods as medicine yeah. um, or as, you know, more more preventative medicine than, you know, treating specific things. But yeah. um, I think that's something that's been a really big priority for our family um, and something you don't always hear in the conventional, you know, medicine world. So that's something that's, that's a topic you could get me going on for a while. <laughs> yes. Well, I asked that question because I'd love to have you share just some of your, like, some of how does food and your perspective about it impact your motherhood journey? Sure. So I think it's really important um, that our kids know where our foods come from. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we raise our own chickens. We, we, eat the eggs that they lay. Um, we do harvest some of our own animals. Um, yeah. and that's, that I guess is a quirky thing about us as well. We have had other kids that, you know, say, Oh, you know, that's gross or whatever. And I'll say, Oh, well, where do you get, you know, your chickens? And they'll say, Oh, the grocery store. Um, so yeah. for us, we think it's really important that our kids understand, you know, the background behind that, where it comes from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how it, how the quality of um, the food and even the food sources for our food really plays a big part in um, the health benefits to us ourselves. Yeah. We involve the kids very heavily in that kind of stuff. Um, they're down in the garden with us every day during the spring and summer. Um, mm -hmm. They have chores themselves up at the barn. Um, we do not shy away from conversations about you know, where our food comes from and what goes into um, the raising of that food. And I think it just helps them. First of all, hopefully um, it gives them work ethic um, to see that it's not all about convenience and, you know, yeah. buying a box of 
something from the store, that there's hard work that goes into that. Um, hopefully it helps them to be, you know, grow up to be a little bit more um, conscious of the things that they put into their bodies and yeah. the effects that it has on them. Mm-hmm. So. I love that. And I think that is really good. I didn't actually grow up knowing a lot of those things. So as I became a mom, I was like, oh, this is how this works. And oh, like the first year yeah. we did a garden, uh, we did a garden like probably 10 years ago in our, um, we live in a urban area. So it's kind of a small garden space, but it was Mm -hmm. so meaningful to me to just see my lettuces sprouting up and to see like, um, just the, the growth process and how much my kids enjoyed being involved with that. And so I love that you do that with your family. Thank you. Yeah, it's very it's self-satisfying. And I see that in them as well. They seem to take more pride in, um, in something when they know that they've put effort into growing yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have just one more question for you since we're in the middle of the Peaceful Home series. And that is, how do you find, create, or cultivate peace in your home? Oh, that's such an interesting question. I feel like um, I'm not always great at that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole peace and the chaos concept, um, it's something that I really have to, um, I need reminders of all the time. It's something I'm constantly praying to find peace in those chaotic moments because um, if it were up to me, peace would be a quiet house and maybe some nice music, a good book, yeah. you know, um, things that aren't necessarily realistic in motherhood or with kids. Um, and so really what I found is that um, peace has to come from a place um, that's outside of my current circumstances. Right. Um, it often takes a lot of prayer, a lot of um, heart positioning to um, embrace the peace that I can um, in circumstances that don't appear peaceful, uh, probably to an outsider. Yeah, I so appreciate your thoughts. And I really appreciate you sharing this piece with our community and um, can't wait to connect with you more in the future. If anyone wants to connect with Bree. Um, We have a private Facebook group for Kindred Mom and are hoping to have more conversations there. So join us over there. And Bree, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here.